sell seashells on the seashore. It's tongue twister day. Time for me to stumble over awkward words and blame it on alliteration. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a chilly England. Shall I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me causes you to choke on your breakfast? Please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. It is indeed National Tongue Twister Day. She she sells seashells on the seashore. This is when we celebrate those really awkward rhymes, usually with a lot of alliteration that cause us to stumble and struggle to speak. Believe it or not, you can even get tongue twisters in sign language, where fingers end up flailing all over the place. I'm just seeing lots of lovely, beautiful pictures of bunnies. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. We are going to need lots of lovely pictures of baby bunnies. It's so sweet. Look at that. Please sign into the chat room to see all the bunnies. The world is a beautiful place when there are bunnies. There. And there they all are. They're in a little basket. Oh, you know, I was so sad. I, I, I shouldn't have felt this way. But, you know, my friend had puppies some time ago. And I put pictures in the chat room about them. And I, there was one in particular, tiny little black puppy, chalky puppy, I was desperate to get. And I just couldn't persuade my husband in time. And someone else adopted him instead. So, bye-bye, Teddy. Another time, perhaps, there is just something lovely about small furry animals. Um, Jacqueline's saying the bucks have recovered from their heat sterilisation. I dread to think what that involves, but I suppose it's quite necessary because you can't have too many baby bunnies after all. It is not just National Tongue Twister Day, though I'm curious to know your favourite tongue twisters if you have one. I'm trying to think of one that's not she sells seashells on the seashore. Do put them in the chat room if you have a favourite tongue twister and I will try and read it for you. It is also, however, a special day today. It is the birthday of Bram Stoker, born on this day in 1847. Famous for the classic novel, classic horror novel, Dracula. So why not celebrate Bram Stoker's birthday by buying a copy of Dracula and maybe some kind of fan fiction like this thing of darkness, say, if you want to celebrate Bram Stoker's big day. Bram Stoker is most famous for Dracula. In fact, he is only famous for Dracula and he wasn't even famous for it in his own time. I think at the time he died, he thought it had been a bit of a failure. So there we are. It's wonderful to be famous after you're dead. Anyway, I was asked, moving on to serious subjects. Aha, here's a serious but wonderful subject. Denise M. pointing out it's homeschooling day, teachers as parents day. How could I have forgotten that? Indeed, it's when we celebrate, well, people like Denise and me and people who are homeschooling their children. We get a bit of acknowledgement I'm not sure how this should be celebrated. Maybe there should be 
more talked about it in the media, maybe more articles just showing how wonderful homeschooling is. But it's just, it is such a wonderful thing to do. And uh, in fact, just the other day, one of my children who's at school was starting to say, oh, you know, I like school, but I'm starting to wonder. Um, I think when one starts homeschooling, the others follow pretty quickly because it's a great thing to do. I don't believe my children who are homeschooling would have got through nearly as much material, learned as much, or had so much fun learning if they'd been at school. I just, I can't see that. I, I know, you know, I have children at school and at home, but homeschooling is great. That's all I'm going to say. Homeschooling is wonderful. If you are a homeschooler, give me a shout out, please. Um, what's this, Philip? Um, tea. Builders British Tea. Britain wasn't built on chamomile. Absolutely. <laughs> um my morning tea in honour of your other files. Thank you so much. That looks like, Philip, that looks like property. Absolutely. Britain was definitely not built on chamomile or even some of the teas I quite like. I will admit to liking things like lotus flower tea and peppermint tea, but proper morning tea, there's just something very special about it. Anyway, so yes, happy National Teachers as Parents Day. It's also National STEM Day. So if you work in science, again, give me a shout out, please. I'd like to know. Now, I was um, a bit uh, negative yesterday about the political situation in Britain, but I did also promise Mike that I would talk a little bit more today about the implications of the King's speech. Uh, the, the King's Speech yesterday, I was, I was describing because it was actually happening as the show was going on. The King officially opens Parliament at the beginning of the parliamentary year. It's a huge occasion, huge state occasion. All the costumes come out, all the wonderful symbols, the gold stick, the silver stick, black rod getting the door slammed in her face. You name it, the crown jewels, it's all there. We do pageantry perfectly in this country so we take every possibility to show it um, i'm sure the tourists enjoyed it and there was the king giving the king's speech first time there has been a king's speech since the time of charles iii's grandfather what happens is that the, the king's speech is unlike what you see in the film where, it, where it's the i think the king's speech in the film the king's speech is the rallying cry to the people at the beginning of the war. Uh, this speech is very specific speech that's given to Parliament at the state opening, which addresses it, it just, it outlines the government's plans for the year, the government's legislative plans for the year, the bills that are going to be discussed in Parliament. So it is very important. Um, the king then leaves with his queen and there's a huge bun fight in the uh, in the chamber of the House of Commons where they all start debating everything, particularly debating the speech. So what was it that came out of the speech yesterday? I mentioned that tougher sentencing of serious criminals was a big part of it. A cynic would say, and I'm just putting this out there, that the Conservative Party always gets tough, takes a tough stance when it's desperately trying to appeal to voters. And it did seem to me that a lot of the 
plans regarding legislative change uh, when it comes to serious offenders were crowd pleasers, uh, vote winners, if you prefer. The majority of people tend to be in favour of getting tough with serial killers. So one of the proposals is uh, more whole life orders. Life sentences in Britain do not necessarily mean life meaning life. A life sentence is, is, is about 15 years on average. Very few whole life sentences are handed out, the most recent being Lucy Letby after her conviction for the murder of multiple babies in her neonatal unit. She was a neonatal nurse. Um, oh, Philip, you've just said abortion is now enshrined in the Ohio Constitution, so we've got that going for us. Oh, that makes me so sad because, you know, this morning I was chatting with some American friends and one of them said to the other, oh, good news last night, um, Ohio went in the right direction. And she obviously didn't want to say anything about abortion in front of me. That makes me so sad, Philip. I'm so sorry. Uh, Denise, I'm saying sad, sad day. Yes, um, Maggie was saying it was a terrible day yesterday for babies in Ohio. And here are my American friends sort of thinking it's a wonderful thing. Gosh, that oh dear, that forces me to draw to draw breath. But I suppose they were at least I suppose they were trying to be respectful to me by not bringing it up, or maybe they didn't want an argument. So yes, proposals in the King's speech were to hand out more life sentences, a whole life sentences sentence meaning that a very serious criminal will never leave prison. Um, this is. Not so controversial, to be quite honest. Um, it's gone, though, from only being handed out in an exceptional situation to only not being handed out in exceptional situations when it comes to serious criminals. Other changes which will meet with public approval are that convicted rapists cannot have their sentences shortened. They have to serve their entire sentence. At the moment, a man can go to jail for rape for five years and get out again after a couple of years on good behaviour and whatever. The aim is that they will have to serve their entire sentence. They will not be eligible for parole halfway through. Um, there will also be mandatory sentencing for other crimes such as shoplifting, burglary and theft. However, on the other side, there is also a proposal to scrap most jail sentences of under one year, because at the moment the, the, the prisons are overflowing. The prison population has doubled in 30 years and the prison system simply cannot cope with it. So the idea is we also have a huge problem with um, reoffending which suggests that the prison sentence does not work for short-term sentences. So the idea is that those sentenced to less than a year in prison instead will be given community service where they'll have to go and you know, paint buildings and uh, dig roads and things like that. I, I don't know what your equivalent is. Do you have, um, uh, do you have uh, community service in the same way in the States? Um the idea is that you give back something to the community that you've taken by committing a crime. It could mean that some 33,000 convicted criminals will no longer go to prison. 
Um, they will also have more electronic tagging and curfews, including curfews of up to 20 hours a day. So what you're really talking about here is house arrest. Personally, I can see a case for it. You know, the, the prison system simply cannot cope and it isn't working. I also think the prison system, for all the claims that their holiday camps are pretty brutal and for petty criminals who end up, who can end up locked up for six months with, you know, multiple you know, serial rapists. I, I don't, I just don't think it works as a system. And I think there is something to be said for, um, Yes, for maybe trying an alternative or expanding the alternative, because we already have electronic tagging. We already have community service. So let's see if this cannot be made to work. It's been made very clear, though, that um, these this category will not include anyone done for terror or violent offences or sex offences. It will be for burglars, shoplifters, drug dealers, that sort of thing, drink drivers. I mentioned yesterday that one point that has come up a great deal since the Lucy Letby case is the right of convicted criminals not to turn up in court for their sentencing. That is also going to be abolished. That is the plan anyway, that it will be made compulsory for a person who has been convicted of a crime to turn up in court to hear the sentencing and they will face extra penalties if they do not do so i can see there being problems with this i can i can see i can i can see some very messy situations in courts in the future but i do also see the point um, there are also plans i'm not convinced about this to be honest to allow the Ministry of Justice to rent cells in foreign jails when they run out of space, which just seems to me to be so wrong. Um, I'm not sure that would actually pass. Something else the Tory government has decided to really crack down on is smoking. At the moment, you have to be 18 to buy cigarettes. In the past, it was 16. But the new plan would see the age of sale raise by rise by one year every year from 2027 onwards. So by 2043, you could only buy cigarettes if you were only 35, if you're over 35. Um, this is apparently the same as a law in New Zealand. The idea being that it doesn't affect people who currently smoke. It is a way of trying to phase out smoking. I can see a point, but I also feel with something like cigarette smoking, it's... <sighs> It's an interesting idea, but I suppose I would argue that shouldn't something be legal or otherwise? Um, I understand a no under 18s rule because it, 18 being the legal age of adulthood in this country. So quite obviously there are things you cannot buy when you're under 18 because legally you are still a child. I can't see really how it's going to work saying that a 30-year-old can't buy a cigarette, buy a packet of cigarettes. I, I just, I don't quite see how that's going to work. Even in terms of ID, are you really going to be IDing a 35-year-old to check that they're over 35? Um, I can see all sorts of problems with this, but let's just see. Um, you know, let's just see if that's going to really work. Other laws which strike me as 
window dressing more than anything else to do with you know stopping airlines from adding all sorts of surplus charges you know budget airlines um well higher um well not so much high, high penalties but the closing of loopholes surrounding the carrying of offensive weapons um the carrying of offensive weapons in Britain and the rules are much stricter here than they are in the States. Uh, you don't have the right to own a gun, for example. However, knife crime has become more of a problem in Britain in recent years. So this offensive weapons bill is intended to close loopholes which um, allow for the carrying of certain knives which just have not have not previously been banned like zombie knives. Um and it also will make it easier for the police to destroy lawfully owned knives if they have any reason to believe they're going to be, the serious reason to believe they're going to be used to commit a crime. So lots of other licensing bills to do with oil and gas, to do with autonomous vehicles, um, opening up the road for driverless cars by the end of the decade. This is very exciting. Um, this is actually exciting. I mean, I would love to see more driverless cars or any driverless cars on the road. I'd love to see this become a reality. Um, government ministers are hoping that by 2030, driverless car companies will be operating commercial services. So, you know, you'll have driverless buses and, and things like that. I would really, really like to see that happen, partly because I hate driving and I would love to have a driverless car. Um <laughs> Other bills, um, probably not quite so much of interest. So is it just window dressing? No, I wouldn't say it is. I think some of the, the rules and regulations they are planning are very sensible. Others, I think that the smoking one, I'm, I'm just I'm just curious to see how it would work in practice. I do, however, feel that there, there was an obvious um, appeal to the voting public there, which is understandable as we do have a general election next year. Yes, I did come across as being a bit down on everything yesterday. And I've said that the election next year is practically an inevitability. The Tories will lose. It's sort of time for them to lose. However, I should say uh, Mike is right that Keir Starmer, uh, the leader of the Labour Party, the opposition party, the main opposition party in Britain, is also in a lot of trouble at the moment. It's 27 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with Fiorella de Maria. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast. Same day from crusademax.com. And we have been talking about national tongue twister day. Tell me your tongue twisters please. And I will, I will read them out on air. It is also Bram Stoker's birthday. Do buy this thing of darkness as a, as a tribute to Bram Stoker, because I'm sure you've already read Dracula. And I've been discussing what is going on in the King's speech, what legislation can be expected in the British Parliament over the next year. Um, Patriot 21 is saying, I don't know about how it is in the UK, but here in the States, I know a great many 35-year-olds and beyond are not adults. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's, it's the same here. Don't worry. Yeah, we, we have that issue too. Um, Lady Bellarmine. Um, okay, yes, I take your point. I don't know if your driverless cars scare me. I don't really want to see them on the road. We're a little bit different on that topic. Well, I think um, I, I can understand the fear about driverless cars. It's that feeling of 
you know, they're not being someone you can appeal to. However, what I have heard about driverless cars is that they are more uh, they are more likely to avoid an accident than a person because computer reaction times are faster than human reaction times. That the biggest problem with driverless cars um, is well, there are two things. One is who is who is liable. Everything when it comes to a crash, an accident, whatever, someone has to be liable. And who on earth is liable with a driverless car? Is it the people in the car? Well, surely not if they were told that the car could drive itself. How are they responsible? Is it the manufacturers of the car? In that case, are driverless car companies going to be responsible financially for every single mishap? Well, that doesn't happen at the moment. Um you know, there's a genuine legal issue here that cannot easily be cleared up. The other issue with driverless cars, of course, is that it's not just about not hitting things. For example, if I'm driving down the road and I see movement up ahead, just say I can see two things moving up ahead. And at the last minute, I realize one of the moving things is a toddler who's wandered into the road. The other is a dog. Much as I love dogs, if I have to swerve one way or the other, I will swerve away from the toddler, even if it means hitting the dog, because I will make that value judgment. I won't just see two things, sentient, you know, living things moving. I will see a child versus a dog and I will make a judgment. A driverless car might not necessarily be able to make such a judgment. It will just see two things, two obstacles that have to be avoided. So there's there's that issue that I think may be quite difficult. Um, but if they could find some way of making them safe, I would love to see driverless cars. Can you think of, imagine all the things that just won't happen on the roads anymore. With driverless cars, you won't need traffic lights anymore because the cars will just be able to weave around each other. Uh, there'll be all sorts of traffic systems that just won't be necessary. Um, I, I don't know. I, I find it exciting as an idea. Denise, um, good morning. Um, just signed in. Can't catch you all. Okay. How are you this morning? Um, Dr. Oz, what is this? Harry Harvey Wallbanger is the name. Want to make something out of it? Six ounces OJ. What the... Oh, I see. Uh, it's, a, it's a cocktail. That's what the whole Harvey Wallbanger is. I didn't want to say it was National Harvey Wallbanger Day because I had no idea what that was. Right. Thank you, Dr. Torres. Make one. But start the day with a cappuccino since it's also National Day for that. It's National Cappuccino Day. I don't even drink cappuccino, but I might just this once because that does look absolutely wonderful, Dr. Torres. Thank you. Dr. Torres saying, don't run me over for your other files, please. <laughs> well, this is the this is the issue, though, isn't it? You know, the, the, you can you actually expect AI to be able to make value judgments? You know, do I run over Dr. Torres or do I run over the King Dude? I mean, you know, I'd have to make a decision, wouldn't I? Um, Denise, I've never read Dracula, but I have read this Thing of Darkness. Thanks uh, to a um, couple of TIAs, I could probably read it again for the first time. Oh, bless you. Well. Do you know something? Seriously, my mother has a terrible short-term memory for various reasons. A really, really terrible. She's, she, she's very forgetful. And what she says she finds is she can read a book and then go straight back to the beginning and read it all over again and enjoy it for the first time. 
she can watch a film that she knows she's watched dozens of times and she'll still have forgotten quite a lot of it and be able to enjoy it again. And she said she actually quite likes that part of very poor short-term memory. Um, other things are a nuisance, but she said there's something, there's a freshness about the world for her, which I think is quite sweet. Lady Bellamine, this might be a little conspiracy theory talking here, but when you have driverless cars, if it's decided you're not allowed to leave the house for any reason, guess how it's going to be enforced? You could walk, though, couldn't you? I mean, I suppose that is a point. Um, yes, Patriot 21 saying, in the end, driverless cars will be controlled by the government, so nope. Um, I suppose that, that might be an issue. And in fact, in the book Exogenesis, which I have reviewed and endorsed, and I really, really advise you to read Exogenesis. It's a futuristic dystopian novel. That is one of the issues. All cars are driverless, but of course, the authorities always know when you're moving and where you're going. And it, it does limit them. But they do do things like walk sometimes. Um, I was just thinking, Denise, um, besides rereading this thing of darkness, Dracula is a great read. It's, it is, a, it is in fact, a good read. Um, anyway, I've got to listen to the time. Got to go to an ad break now, but stay tuned. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the chat room's open for your commentary at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation. We'll return in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. teach all the way down to your best girlfriend? Well, you know, I used to have them just about all the time, but I found a way to get out of it. Let me tell you about it. all you early risers and insomniacs and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday for those of you just joining us you are listening to the early show with your hostess from across the pond Purella de Maria our call in telephone number is 844-527-8723 that's 844-527-8723 and the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat do talk to me do join the conversation as you enjoy a hearty breakfast yes indeed if you have missed the show so far we have been talking about national tongue twister day national homeschooling day or teachers parents as teachers day 
National Sum Cocktail I Have Never Heard Of Before, Harvey Wallbanger. I hope it's nice. And National Cappuccino Day. It's also the birthday of Bram Stoker, so why not celebrate by buying a copy of Dracula and This Thing of Darkness? Um, if you've got to choose one, let it be This Thing of Darkness, okay? Yeah, I co-authored it some years ago with, with some bloke. Yeah, um, and... I've also been discussing the King's speech and what to expect from it. One of the issues that was raised was driverless cars um, and what we all feel about it. And, um, oh, Dr. Torres wants to point out that we were, we were talking about memory. And Denise was saying that, you know, she could probably, because of a few TIAs, she could, she could probably reread this thing of darkness, even though she's already read it. Um, and I was saying that my mother, in fact, finds she can reread books and watch films over and over again because she has um, very low levels of short-term memory. And it means that everything's always very fresh. And Dr. Torres has said, I watch the same situation comedies over and over, The Golden Girls, The Crosby Show, The Jeffersons, Seinfeld, Friends, Third Rock from the Sun, Big Bang Theory. I've heard of about half of those. There we are. Big Bang Theory being one of them. Um, Lady Bell, I mean, saying part of the reason we differ is I enjoy driving. So that's probably why driverless cars appeal to you where they do not appeal to me. Well, this is the thing. Um, one of the reasons why I love the idea of driverless cars uh, for all the potential difficulties is I don't like driving very much. I really don't. Um, I wonder, in fact, okay, maybe it won't be the case of driverless cars. Perhaps what will happen, what is already happening, is that manual cars will just become sort of less and less reliant upon the driver. You know, we already have automatic cars as opposed to um, cars with gears. Um, we already have cruise control some cars are self-parking you know you can just pull up near a parking space press a button and it does it for you you know we already have cars that do all sorts of things for us to make life easier even power steering is a form of driver assist isn't it so maybe cars will just become more and more and more like that until finally the driver is just obsolete or obsolete for most of the time there's a thought Good morning, W.K. Sumner. Um, CRTOL, good morning, fellow crusaders. Beautiful autumn morn here in North Kakalaki. Yeah, okay. Um, where is that? It sounds beautiful. Beautiful autumn days. Philip is saying, please keep in mind the several million of us out here who drive for a living. Autonomous vehicles will disemploy many, if not all of us. Since the invention of the automobile, it has represented a true freedom where the average person has the ability to travel freely, not to mention zipping down a country road is a pure joy for many of us. All that goes away with government controls, autonomous vehicles. I'm too old to learn coding. Well, I think, I, I don't know, but... I know that they're talking in the King's speech about possibly, you know, commercial use of driverless cars and you know, buses and things like that. But my guess is even if driverless cars uh, went into production and went onto the market, that driving things like buses and lorries or trucks, I think those would be the last things to go because... I don't. How many people are going to want to be on the roads with, with an enormous truck? 
speeding along driverless. I, I don't know. I, I can see those being the last ones to go. I'm not sure I'd be desperately happy being in a bus which didn't have a driver. Um, for a start, even if the road ahead was safe, what if something happened on the bus? What if, um, I don't know, what, what if there was an emergency or something? I think you'd always have to have a human driver in certain situations. But I do take the point about control. There is just something about you know, losing that essential freedom, I suppose. Dr. Torres is saying, I'm still waiting to see the last of the um, Demeter, which is described as being a chapter from Bram Stokes' Dracula. I don't know what that, the last voyage of the... That looks terrifying! No, thank you. No, Denise, I'm on your side with this one. No, thank you. I have no desire to see that. That looks really, really creepy. Oh, do you know, I can't get Ohio out of my head now. Because if you missed the first segment, I was saying I, I didn't realise this morning... Um, I was sitting with two uh, two ladies who, who are, they're both American, they're both very, very staunchly Democrat. And they were talking about last night's election results. And they said, oh, well, there have been a few referendums that have gone the right way. Ohio went the right way. And obviously, they didn't want to mention abortion in front of me because they know my views about it. But I just thought, well, how can you think that was a good thing? How can that be the right way? I, it's really, I, I don't know, it's, it's hit me right through the heart. It, it's one of those one of those difficulties that it, it's when, you know, you have friends who've got very, very different views to you on things that are so important to you. It's really tough. Okay, so, wow, I'm just looking at this, um, this map that Maggie's put up. Okay, so it looks like... Um, the majority of U.S. states, it's the cities. It's always the cities that just love to kill the babies. Well, um, gosh, it's, it's awful seeing that just that map. It's like a map of destruction, isn't it? There we go. Um, but moving on, um, it's coming up to Remembrance uh, Sunday. We, we in, in Britain, we have Remembrance Day, which is always 11th of November, the 11th of the 11th. And it's because the armistice at the end of the First World War was signed at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, 11, 11, 11. So to this day, at 11 o'clock on the 11th of November, every year we have a two-minute silence. And this is kept right around the country. If you go into shops, if you're in the cinema, wherever you are, in any public place, there will be a message will come up on the tannoy. Ladies and gentlemen, um, as it's coming up to 11 o'clock, we will be keeping the two minute silence. We ask you to respect to respect the two minute silence. And then there will usually be some kind of a sound to mark that it's 11 o'clock. And then everyone goes quiet wherever they are. They'll just stop, put their head down. If you're inclined to pray, you might pray. But just to remain silent, to remember all those millions of war dead. And then at the end of the two minutes, it's quite common to well, either say, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, um, that's the end of the two minute silence, or to play a recording of the last post or something like that that's fitting for the event. And because I live in an area that has a reasonably high military presence, they in fact sound, um, they sound a gun. It's a, it's a big a big cannon at 11 o'clock and then again at two minutes past. And you can hear it, very, very wide area. And I always find that 
uh, very uh, very moving. It, it it hits me every single time. There's something about the sound of that cannon going off that is just a, a real reminder of the wars that were fought in ages past. But it has just opened up this um, this debate, I suppose, about how best to remember. Because you have Remembrance Day on the Saturday, and then the Sunday nearest to Remembrance Day is Remembrance Sunday, where all the churches uh, in the country will hold their own services. They will um, usually, for example, when we have Mass on Remembrance Sunday, it will start with a moment of silence and all the prayers, the bidding prayers, and everything, it will all be about remembrance. It will all be about remembering the dead. And I suppose part of the reason for having Remembrance Day and Remembrance Sunday is that, of course, you don't know what day of the week Remembrance Day is going to fall on. And so all the big ceremonies at the cenotaphs around the country always happen on Remembrance Sunday. And they can be quite big occasions. The local army units will be there. Old soldiers will wear their medals or their families will. But even the scouts, the girl guides, uh, the cadets will all come out for that occasion occasion. Um, lots of, um, oh gosh, lots about the Ohio situation in the chat room. Um, Dr. Torres saying, I came across a story about King Charles reiterating MPs aimed to end smoking in the UK. What? That's the nanny state gone too far. We smokers are already relegated to sidewalks where we're more likely to be killed by crazy drivers than from smoking. The kind of foolishness better not come here. Yes, the the rule that is the law that's being planned it's based on the uh, a law that was passed in New Zealand the idea is the idea behind it and i can see the sense in that regard is that it doesn't affect people who smoke now um that very very slowly the age at which you can buy cigarettes will creep up so you'll essentially have a generation that will just grow up not being able to buy cigarettes, but current smokers will not be affected. It's just that what I was saying in the first segment, I can't really see how you can get to the point where you're asking a 35-year-old for ID or a 40-year-old for ID. It's just going to get a bit silly after a while. 18 is an understandable cutoff point. 16, in some cases, is an understandable cutoff point. But after that, it does seem really a bit intrusive. Of course, bear in mind, these are proposals. They may not become law. These are not an, this is not an announcement of new laws. It's an announcement of proposed legislation. So this has to be debated. Um, Tom Connolly uh, is pointing out with, on the map, it's where the colleges are. Philip is saying, looks like Democrats had a good night over here. Sorry, um, King Dude, no, all Catholic, all the time, radio. We need the voice of reason to be... Um, to back me off the ledge. W.K. Sumner saying, because everything is about self, Satan is the great deceiver. Tom Connolly saying, college kids that don't live full-time in a state should not vote in elections in that state. Um, Dr. Torres is saying, oh, driverless cars will just lead to a more stupid society. Imagine all the extra time will then people will then have to browse TikTok. Adult weakened brains, brains that would be better in the hands of Dr. Hannibal Lecter than in the heads of humans. That's horrible, Dr. Torres, please. Uh, really, really bad image just flashed into my head then. Um, 
KY Postman 93 saying very similar story in Kentucky. The urban areas, even more rural areas, went Democrat. Um, Dr. Torres saw Kate give her poppy away to a child in a video. It was a real precious interaction. She's no Megan. Yes, Kate is lovely. She is such, uh, Princess Catherine is such an asset to the royal family. It was really pointed out, um, well, it, it's quite often noted how natural she is doing the royal walkabout, that she's just very comfortable with people. She's a mother. She's a mother of young children. And unlike previous generations, she is raising her children herself. She and William, you know, they are very much hands-on parents. They're not just pushing their children away to uh, be looked after by nannies. They are raising their children themselves. So it follows that she is very comfortable with children as well. It was um, it was noted at the coronation that Kate really does look every bit a future queen. There's something regal about her. She's really stepped into that role in a way that people weren't sure about when she first married Prince William. It's it's always it's always a little bit uncertain how um, a woman is going to cope with marrying into the royal family. Rob's brother saying a shame to be a Buckeye this morning. Shuffleboard Apostle, can't buy cigarettes, but we can cut off your body parts and mutilate your body if you're confused about your sex. Well, indeed, it's it's interesting to see how this has developed as an argument. I mean, I think the sad thing is I don't want to be completely cynical um, and say that health isn't part of the, the reasoning, that there isn't a genuine concern about public health. However, I do also think there's an issue or a broader issue of money being used elsewhere. The fact is, smoking-related conditions do cost the NHS. They cost the NHS millions and millions every year. And there will be some pressure there to try to bring those numbers down. Um, it's No, I, I don't want to be cynical and say that health isn't part of it. Nobody, nobody wants a person to die prematurely. But it just interests me that smoking has become such a huge political football over the years, above and beyond pretty much everything else. Um, Maggie's saying Ohio abortion broken down by race. Um, that's interesting and very disturbing. Um, I do find it... I do find it very difficult to see that, to see those figures and seeing how it's being broken down. It didn't, it didn't break down the way I was expecting. Um, Ross, 90, uh, 1962, saying, so will they ban fast food for the sake of health? Well, I hate to break this to you, Ross, but we do also have things like sugar tax in Britain. Um, there has been a growing concern about the high sugar content, um, particularly fizzy drinks and ice cream and things like that. So there is now such a thing as a sugar tax to make sugary products more expensive to try to reduce the amount of sugar people are taking. So, yes, uh, unfortunately, uh, all sorts of things get banned in the name of health over here. Uh, will they ban plastics for the sake of health? Well, there is also a big move to ban plastic um, in Britain, and at least part of it is because of the amount we ingest without realising, um, partly from um, eating fish that has ingested um, bits of plastic in the ocean, but also because of the amount of microbeads and things like that which get into the food supply. So um, it's, 
it's not just smoking. I say smoking has become a huge issue. It's it's not the only issue. And I don't know when it comes to junk food. I suspect that will be next. Um, Maggie is saying, also, it's worth mentioning, Pope Francis shut down the only Latin mass in Cleveland, Cleveland Ohio, last weekend. Last su- Sunday was the best. There was the last Latin mass performed. But Star, how about leave us alone and pay for your own insurance? Well, I think there's the smoking debate. I mean, that's something that could run and run, couldn't it? I think we could. Um, we, we we probably will never entirely agree about that. Generally speaking, I'm in favour of educational programmes. When it comes to something like smoking, something I think has worked is that there has been a lot of advertising about the effects of smoking. You know, give people the chance, educate people, give them the chance to make an, an informed decision. That If you light up a cigarette, these are the risks. Having said that, my son just this morning was pointing out that they, they have these endless endless PSHE lessons at school about how smoking is bad for you, vaping is bad for you, drugs are bad for you, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And he said, nobody takes it seriously. He said he knows there are at least two boys in his class who vape and they sat there watching presentations about how vaping is bad for you and they nodded and went, hmm, 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 and they'll write the right answers in their workbooks and they will go home and vape. Um, His view is that, and I know a lot of children say this, that being told no by a teacher at school generally doesn't make much of a difference. And certainly when I was at school, we had a very good anti-smoking program where, you know, we, we spent a whole term learning about how bad smoking is for you. We watched interviews by people who had emphysema and terminal lung cancer and things like that. And it was really scary. And we all came away saying, no, 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 we'd never smoke. By the time we reached sixth form, so that's age 16 to 18, the overwhelming majority of children in my class were smokers. So I, I'm very much in favour of education, I'm in favour of education for all sorts of reasons, um, though I do understand that, um, yeah, uh, that it doesn't always have the effects I'd like it to. Um, Shuffleboard Apostle, that's amazing. Just 17% of blacks didn't want to kill the next generation. Um, No, that's not totally true on Latin Mass. Our Lady of Lourdes is still holding Latin Mass, but sorry, my bad. It was in Kentucky side of Cincinnati. Okay. I knew someone, in fact, he he came to speak at a conference I was also speaking at, um, Arnold Colbraith, who, I hope I said his surname right, who ran, um, he's black American himself, and he runs a a pro-life group specifically um, run by black Americans for black Americans. And he was um, talking about this, that you know, the majority, that the disproportionately large amount of abortions are carried out on black babies and that abortion facilities tend to uh, set themselves up in areas with very high ethnic minority uh, populations. And, you know, he was, he was eloquent on the subject. I don't know if he was the one who said, I think that we, we have accidentally aborted the, the next Martin Luther King or something like that. I can't remember if it was him who said that, but it's devastating. Um, 
I mean, he, he was very interesting to listen to, though. It's one minute past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. We've been talking about, well, we are currently talking about the King's speech and the proposed legislation that was mentioned in it, including hard-hitting legislation on smoking, the introduction of driverless cars, and whole life sentences for more serious offenders and also making it compulsory for convicted criminals to appear in court to hear their sentence. Um, Ross saying, I would never argue the health merits of smoking, but it's no one else's business what I do. Um, Shuffleboard Apostle saying, I have spent hours in front of abortion centres. It's over 70% black women going in. Um, what I find very sad over here, I realise that the demographic breakdown is different, but quite often um, friends of mine who, who do pray outside uh, facilities say that you get a disproportionately large number of new immigrants and asylum seekers coming for abortions that they don't want, that they tend to be the ones who speak to them and say, we don't, I don't, I don't want to go for an abortion, but I'm not entitled to any financial support. I'm homeless. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm going to be sent back to my country tomorrow. Um, how on earth am I supposed to have a baby in a situation like this? Um, and, the upside is they are easier to help because they don't actually want the abortion. They do want assistance, but it has raised concerns about the numbers who are undergoing abortions they don't want, that they would rather they would rather avoid, but they feel trapped into a situation that they don't feel they can do anything about. There was a big upsurge some years ago. It was when um, the EU expanded. This is quite some years ago now when Poland and a number of other countries joined the EU, where you had um, much larger numbers of Eastern Europeans coming to live and work in Britain. And there was a rule that many did not know about, that you are not entitled to any maternity leave or any maternity protection legally until you have been working in Britain for at least a year. So you had young Polish girls going for abortions and the abortion providers would weep crocodile tears and say, oh, it's so sad because they cry so much. They don't want to have the abortion. But what can be done? What can be done? And that made me so angry because I thought there's a lot that could be done. You know there are people who will help them. You could refer them for help. You, you're performing abortions on women who don't even want abortions and then claiming to be very sad about it. And guess what? Abortion on economic grounds in Britain is illegal. So you're not only doing something immoral, you're doing something that is in fact illegal because that is not one of the conditions for abortion in Britain. Um SCI someone saying, I don't care what you do, but I don't want to be paying for your higher insurance costs because of smokers. And Shuffleboard um, Postal saying, you still have four SSPX chapels in Ohio. Okay. How many how many listeners are from Ohio? If you're if you're listening to this from Ohio, do say hello in the chat room. Do you make yourself known? I'm curious to know. There seems to be um, there seems to be quite a lot coming in with uh, talking about the Latin Mass in Ohio. Kai Postman ninety three, also an institute parish in Cleveland. Okay, right. That is good to know. Now, 
very briefly, I don't know that there's going to be really enough time to talk about this now because you know the conversation always gets um, it always goes in directions I don't entirely intend, but that is absolutely fine. And the, the King's speech was important today, and I know people are reeling from the election results yesterday. But yes, Remembrance Day coming up. There's there's been some very moving things, like for example, a whole um, a disabled artists group set up they designed and built um a memorial using recycled plastic bottles to make these giant very arresting poppies bright red poppies that they then put along a grass verge hundreds of them very very eye-catching and said this part of this was about educating the next generation through the artwork and finding ways to just really catch people's attention um uh, Braden Victoria, hello from Vandalia, Ohio. Did I say that right? Vandalia, Vandalia. Um, Kai Postman, they shut down the diocese TLM in Cleveland, but the bishop invited the Institute of Christ the King to create a new shrine. Um, so they technically didn't lose the Latin mass, it just moved. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Louise, carpetbagger dominated Northern Virginia wins again. Oh, I said it right, Britain, uh, Victoria, thank you. Um, but there are a, a number of controversies surrounding this Remembrance Day, and that is that there are two protests. Well, the, the controversy that's hitting the news is that there's a pro-Palestinian march planned for Remembrance Day, and there is also a pro-life vigil, Remembrance Vigil, planned for Remembrance Day. And I'd like to say a couple of things about that. Um, there's a lot of pressure on Palestinian solidarity to move the date of the march. Now, they have said the march is not taking place at the time of the big Remembrance Day commemorations. It's, it's long after. It's in the afternoon. It's well past the two-minute silence. They will not in any way encroach upon the main Remembrance Day commemorations. They're not going anywhere near the Cenotaph in Whitehall. And I do get that, but I just feel that protests and marches, they can happen any day. Remembrance Day, I just think, should be left alone. And with the pro-life vigil that's taking place, this is pretty much a first for me. I very rarely disagree with the pro-life activities that go on in Britain because I think, you know, the pro-life movement in Britain is much smaller than the US. It's much, it's got very poor funding. It's an embattled campaign that has doggedly continued to defend life in the public square, in Parliament for over 50 years. I worked for the pro-life movement for years and I am proud to have done so. However, I'm not sure... I agree with holding a pro-life vigil on Remembrance Day because I fear it will be interpreted as hijacking that event. And Remembrance Day has a very specific purpose in Britain on the 11th of November. It is to remember the war dead. It was initiated in 1919. It's been going ever since to remember the dead from wars. And the pro-life movement has its own days. And I don't think that should be, those two things should be conflated in this way. Also, 
It's intended to pray for the repose of the souls of those who have died in abortion. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but you cannot do that. Theologically, canonically, it does not make any sense because either the unborn dead are in limbo or, as I, which is a theory I personally support, they are martyrs. They have received the baptism of blood. Therefore, they do not need to be prayed for. Pray for those, pray for the repentance of those who killed them. Pray for the healing of their families. But I'm not sure you can pray for the dead unborn. Pray for those at risk of abortion. Um, but there we are. I'm just going to, I'm just putting it out there. I'll be interested to see how you feel. Um Maggie's looking at, aha, good news. Looks like the next generation of Catholic priests will be much more orthodox. Wow. That's quite, uh, that's quite um, a graph. Do sign into the chat room, please, and take a look at this. Um, that's very, very interesting. Not a huge surprise, to be honest, but it is interesting. Could we just have some more? We need more. Please pray for vocations. Um, Denise, I'm saying our TLM scholar leader has a son who's a priest of the ICKSP in Germany. I wish we had them in East Tennessee, but oh gosh, does Germany need them? The German church has big problems. Um, says Ari, no! What are you saying no about? Um, we've moved, we've darted about so many conversations, I'm getting lost. Um, Paul C, yes, that looks encouraging, but what are those priests measuring themselves against? Hmm. Yes, interesting to... Um, uh, interesting to to see how how they, I suppose did they did they ask them about their their views on church teaching and things like that? I'm guessing um, there seems to be some um, some agreement here um, about what I've been saying. Two pole chain. Good morning, Jacqueline. Absolutely correct. Via there are only two options in prayers. Do not help those who are victims. Um, Louise, last Sunday at Mass, our pastor said not one word about our duty to vote against abortion. Satan had a victory in old Virginia last night. Shame on George the Pope. I mean, I think certainly that um, the refusal of Catholics to speak up on this issue is a very major scandal. Um, the fact that my children don't feel able to go to their own parish youth club because um, of the views expressed by youth leaders about abortion says a great deal about the, you know, the dire situation. Um, and yes, the fact that not a word was said about abortion, it, it's very shocking. Um, you know, it's not as if, it's not as if Catholic teaching on abortion is a big secret, um, but, you know, it has to be embraced. I mean, one of the things that certainly helped me when it came to homeschooling and wondering whether, you know, I was in some way letting down Catholic education. It was realizing that one of my now ex-friends on Facebook, because I'm afraid I did have to block her eventually, was a practicing Catholic who's involved in her parish and teaches at the Catholic primary school and is firmly in favor of abortion and was very much in favor of the yes vote in Ireland. Because we all hate abortion, but, you know, it's the humane thing. It's a necessary evil. It's a terrible thing to hear a practicing Catholic say that. 
and its heresy, there is no such thing as a necessary evil. That's a cop-out. Um, so I think, yes, respectfully, I think the pro-life march should happen on a different day. And I think we need to, and because the only reason I know this, I've got to admit this, is that once in my naivety, I just started working for SPUC and we were having Angelus prayers where the Catholic members of staff would go somewhere private to pray. And I said, you know, so someone said, is there any, anyone wanting to um, share any prayers? And I said, oh, could we pray for the unborn lost through abortion? And afterwards, I got a tap on the shoulder and I was told, you know, you can't do that. And I wish it'd been, it had been said a little bit more politely. But yes, it was the first time I'd ever really stopped to consider that. There is, in fact, a book by Aidan Nichols. He's a Dominican, um, excellent mind. Um, and it's called Abortion and Martyrdom. It's worth a read just to look at that. Um, Maggie, on a side note, today is our son Michael Austin's 25th birthday. He's fallen away from the faith. So could you all say Ave for his return? I would truly appreciate it. There we are. Could we all pray? In fact, and let's pray. For, can we pray for the intercession of St. Monica, please? Um, I always... I always suggested suggest that people people pray for St. Monica's intercession. You know, she got her son back to the faith. Um, Kai Postman, boom, quote of the day. Thank you. Jacqueline, relativism is all about cop-out. It is all cop-out. You're absolutely right. Um, Louise saying, aborted babies do not go to hell. Sin is an act of the will. They are blameless, sweet little victims. That is that is my belief, in, in fact, Louise. That's why I, I regard them as martyrs. Um, Mike, are you there on this cheerful note? <laughs> Good morning. See, Monica got her son to the faith, not back to it. Sorry, got him to the faith. I do he, well. He, I mean, he was a serious baddie. I mean, he was up to. Oh, no, he was. I, I, I remember when I first realised um, about Saint Augustine's life. I remember saying to one of the nuns, "Gosh, he was ever so naughty. He had a concubine." And she went, "Yes, he was a pretty serious sinner." But you know, my dear, there are a lot of very serious sinners who became saints. Most encouraging thing I think I'd heard all year. On a day like today, you need the story of St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you certainly do. And look, we're all praying. We're all praying for your son, okay? Thank you. We you shouldn't too. be surprised <laughs> by the... Uh, we shouldn't be surprised by the... Uh, by the electoral vote can it returns. Mm. Because... Um, Voting against, okay, voting for something. Mm. Okay, so it was a yes vote for the amendment. Mm. Uh, no was against the amendment. And to the, uh, now, maybe there's an indication that uh, some of the voting was rigged. You know, Paul Macquarie, when he was on uh, the show back in uh, April, uh, and March said that the the vote in Ireland was completely rigged for the abortions uh, mm. for the abortion vote. Oh, so it was completely rigged. I mean, in ev in every sense of the word, it was the most one sided campaign I have ever seen. It was absolutely shameful. Well, uh, what's her name? She was in the European Parliament. She did a show with him. Um, oh gosh. Uh, oh, Kate. Um, is it Scanlon or? No, no. Um, no, no, not not Dana. Uh, what? Uh, Sinnott. Kathy Sinnott. Kathy Sinnott came on and she she told Paul, give me the microphone. <laughs> she came on and she said, no, no, he, he's right. But he goes, this is how they did it. 
And she detailed how uh, someone, a young person, uh, could have voted three times in Ireland's referendum. They mm. could have voted from their parents' house using that address. Yep. They could have voted from their, if they were at university, they could have used the uh, the university, the dorm room address. And yep. they could have used the, the uh, uh, address that they could have uh, also claimed to live in with a friend somewhere near the university. And she said that they had documented dozens and dozens and dozens of cases where that is exactly what happened, where they were encouraged to and they went and they voted it, some of them three times. Mm. Some of them at least twice, once from their parents' house and once from the, uh, from the address at the university. Mm. Uh, so mm -hmm. we, we don't know, but one thing that we do know, it's more difficult to cheat out in the rural areas than it is in the big cities when they're dumping mail, si mail pouch-sized bags of ballots. So the thing is that, yeah, I mean, I didn't know about what Kathy was saying about um, about the multiple voting. Um, but the fact was, everything about that referendum was rigged. I mean, the whole well, the advertising. was rigged. Everything, you know, the banning of social media advertising when they knew perfectly well that that was how you get your message across if the mainstream media is against you. They knew that that was effectively silencing the no campaign. That wasn't about balance. That was about silencing the no campaign. The Savita case was misused in the most outrageous way. She did not die because she couldn't get an abortion. She died because the, the hospital fouled up. That was how she died. Um, that from start to finish, that was a, a tissue of lies. And a lot of people voted, voted yes, genuinely believing that Savita would be alive today if it hadn't been for Ireland's abortion laws. Yeah. Um, you know, um, People were led to, and people were led to believe that women did not get chemotherapy if they were pregnant and had cancer. That was another lie that was put about. I spoke to doctors who said that was simply nonsense. They would never deny treatment to a pregnant woman. Um, so you know, they, they found a case where somebody hadn't been able to get um, chemotherapy. And, you know, they literally did. They created this narrative that was just a load of lies. And an awful lot of people voted in good faith, yes, because they genuinely believed women were dying. Well, Fiorella, I think that this is uh, the, this is a, a symptom of a much larger issue. I talked about it yesterday for maybe half hour. I think I'm going to talk about it all four hours today. And that is, look. You want your you, you you want your precious democracy. We all want to have a part and say so in the administration of government. But there are uh, the lesson the, the lesson that, uh, that should come out of this and should have come out of some previous referendums is certain things cannot be voted on. Life and death cannot go up for a vote. The right of a child to be born cannot be put to a vote. If you mm. put it to a vote, then you, you you are asking the enemy to come in, and the enemy will be more than uh, more than uh, happy to oblige you. You are asking the enemy to come in and do what he did in Ireland. Mm. You're asking the enemy to come in. The answer to the question is we don't vote. On, no, God said thou shalt not murder. God said sixth ninth commandment. God said law. His laws are here. Uh, God did, did give us the social moral teaching uh, of Holy Mother Church. Uh, that's good enough for us. There are certain things that do not get put to a vote. I think that is the takeaway because it won't be long. These people are never satisfied. The demons are never satisfied until we're all dead. And we're burning in hell. It won't be long. And I'm telling you, people laugh and they snicker and they go, oh, come on, chick, that's not going to happen. It's not going to be long. 
The first pedophile is going to get elected somewhere. And the apology is going to be, well, he was abused when he was a child. He's completely reformed now. They are never reformed. Sexual perversion is a disease. It does not go away. You can't treat it with aspirin. <laughs> you cannot vaccinate against uh, 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 against sexual deviancy. And it won't be long before some manner of some law that will make it legal to traffic and to have certain people have their way with children will also make it onto a ballot somewhere. It practically did in, in California. They didn't exactly call it that, but basically groomers can come and and take ch children away from Christian parents if the state uh, the state can demonstrate that the Christian parents are opposed to the transitioning or the coming out of the of the child sexually. That's that's a groomer law. That's a pederast law. Those those kids are going to wind up in the house in the homes of foster parents that are Fruit Loops. Well, I think in terms of whether you could actually have a convicted pedophile as a um, standing for office. I think I think that is one of those things that's a, that's a complete no-no because it very nearly did get accepted in the 60s. It did. You know, it, it's forgotten that in the 60s and 70s, paedophilia was regarded as the last taboo. And the argument was made, well, homosexuality was regarded as a perversion once. It's now legal. Paedophilia will be next. There were organisations like the Paedophile Information Exchange that operated completely freely. Um, there are politicians today who have had to make very, very embarrassed retractions because they were involved in these organisations back in the 60s and 70s. And they've said, look, the world was very different then. Um, I have seen, for example... Polanski um, exonerated because of his childhood, because he dro he drugged and raped a teenager, but it wasn't really his fault. Um, you know, I have seen that happen. I do feel that at the moment in the current climate, that for most people that is a bridge too far. Yeah, for, uh, you're talking about Roman Polanski. Yeah. Uh, they're also claiming statute of limitations on that, aren't they? Mm. Well, I mean. Do you remember the way um, Whoopi Goldberg was ridiculed about that, quite rightly? Because she said that she thought that Roman Polanski ought to be forgiven. Well, no, no she didn't. It wasn't, it wasn't because she said she'd be, um, she'd be forgiven. She said, oh, well, it was rape, but it wasn't rape, rape. Oh, it wasn't was like, rape? Oh, that's right. I forgot we had degrees. <laughs> we had degrees. And someone was saying, could somebody ask Whoopi Goldberg, what on earth is rape, rape? Um, <laughs> you know, she was she was trying to say, I mean, you could tell what she was trying to say. She was trying to say, well, it sort of doesn't really count because she was drugged. Um, how does that not count? You know, um, she was trying to minimise it. And they did talk about you know, his Holocaust background. And, of course, you had a Holocaust organisations coming out saying, hang on a second, um, most survivors don't feel the need to rape a, rape a girl, by the way. Where, where, does that, where does that come from? You know, it was, it, was, it was just outrageous. I mean, the whole thing was outrageous, but it was, it was exposed as outrageous. Yeah, well, uh, it's because it is outrageous. Sometimes things are just outrageous. <laughs> this was a banner day for uh, Baphomet, Bagul, uh, Moloch, and the boys yesterday, though. They, they actually supposedly elected an out-of-the-closet, deranged, trans... ...voted in good faith, yes, because they genuinely believed women were dying. Well, Fiorella, I think that this is uh, the, this is a, a symptom of a much larger issue. I talked about it yesterday for maybe half hour. I think I'm going to talk about it all four hours today. And that is, look, 
You want your you, you you want your precious democracy. We all want to have a part and say so in the administration of government. But there are uh, the lesson the, the lesson that uh, that should come out of this and should have come out of some previous referendums is certain things cannot be voted on. Life and death cannot go up for a vote. The right of a child to be born cannot be put to a vote. If you put it to a vote, then you you, you are asking the enemy to come in, and the enemy will be more than uh, more than uh, happy to oblige you. You are asking the enemy to come in and do what he did in Ireland. Mm. You're asking the enemy to come in. The answer to the question is: We don't vote. On, no, God said, "Thou shalt not murder." God said, six ninth commandment." God said, "Law." His laws are here. Uh, God did did give us the social moral teaching uh, of Holy Mother Church. Uh, that's good enough for us. There are certain things that do not get put to a vote. I think that is the takeaway, because it won't be long. These people are never satisfied. The demons are never satisfied till we're all dead. And we're burning in hell. It won't be long. And I'm telling you, people laugh and they snicker and they go, oh, come on, chickadee, that's not going to happen. It's not going to be long. The first pedophile is going to get elected somewhere. And the apology is going to be, well, he was abused when he was a child. He's completely reformed now. They are never reformed. Sexual perversion is a disease. It does not go away. You can't treat it with aspirin. <laughs> you cannot vaccinate against uh, 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 against sexual deviancy. And it won't be long before some manner of some law that will make it legal to traffic and to have certain people have their way with children will also make it onto a ballot somewhere. It practically did in, in California. They didn't exactly call it that, but basically groomers can come and and take ch- children away from Christian parents if the state uh, the state can demonstrate that the Christian parents are opposed to the transitioning or the coming out of the of the child sexually. That's that's a groomer law. That's a pederast law. Those those kids are going to wind up in the house in the homes of foster parents that are Fruit Loops. Well, I think in terms of whether you could actually have a convicted pedophile as a um, standing for office. I think I think that is one of those things that's an, that's a complete no-no because it very nearly did get accepted in the 60s. It did. You know, it, it's forgotten that in the 60s and 70s, paedophilia was regarded as the last taboo. And the argument was made, well, homosexuality was regarded as a perversion once. It's now legal. Paedophilia will be next. There were organisations like the Paedophile Information Exchange that operated completely freely. Um, there are politicians today who have had to make very, very embarrassed retractions because they were involved in these organisations back in the 60s and 70s. And they've said, look, the world was very different then. Um, I have seen, for example... Polanski um, exonerated because of his childhood, because he dro- he drugged and raped a teenager, but it wasn't really his fault. Um, you know, I have seen that happen. I do feel that at the moment in the current climate, that for most people, that is a bridge too far. Yeah, you're talking about Roman Polanski. Yeah. Uh, they're also claiming statute of limitations on that, aren't they? Mm. Well, I mean... Do you remember the way um, Whoopi Goldberg was ridiculed about that, quite rightly? Because she said that she thought that Roman Polanski ought to be forgiven. Well, no, no she didn't. It wasn't, it wasn't because she said she um, should be forgiven. She said, oh, well, it was rape, but it wasn't rape, rape. Oh, it wasn't, was, rape? So, oh, it wasn't rape? Oh, that's right. I forgot we had degrees. 
we have degrees. <laughs> and someone was saying, could somebody ask Whoopi Goldberg, what on earth is rape rape? Um, <laughs> you know, she was she was trying to say, I mean, you could tell what she was trying to say. She was trying to say, what well, sort of doesn't really count because she was drugged? Um, how does that not count? You know, um, she was trying to minimise it. And they did talk about you know, his Holocaust background. And, of course, you had a Holocaust organisations coming out saying, hang on a second, um, most survivors don't feel the need to rape a, rape a girl, by the way. Where does that where does that come from? You know, it was it was it was just outrageous. I mean, the whole thing was outrageous, but it was it was exposed as outrageous. Yeah, well, uh, it's because it is outrageous. Sometimes things are just outrageous. Um, <laughs> this was a banner day for uh, Baphomet, Bagul, uh, Moloch, and the boys yesterday. Though they they actually supposedly elected an out of the closet, deranged, transgender guy masquerading as a woman to the state senate in the state of Virginia. Now, I had covered this case, this case back in in May and June. This guy is a pervert. He actually has a sex, if I remember correctly, he has some sort of, uh, uh, I don't think he's been convicted of it, but I believe he's been, uh, he, he, he is somewhere in his past been charged with some sort of sexual deviance, and I want to say that it, that it involved children. This guy just got elected to the Senate in the state of Virginia. What is going? What is going well, what, on he's here? A, he's actually he's actually a convicted pedophile. No, he's not a convicted pedophile. He did something, Maggie. What, we did the story because when he when he came out and he and, and he announced his candidacy, um, somebody the person that was running against him immediately came out and went. I want to say he was having exchanges that he was a, a teacher at some point in time. He was having exchanges with with, with a student, and I'm going like this 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 guy is deranged. He is he is tipped. Typical of gender dysphoria, which is you will be prone to sexual deviancy. Well, he's now in the Virginia in the Virginia Senate. He has an office now. I remember back in 1992, it was the 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 shot the 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 Klan shot fired around the world. 1991. I'm sorry. A man named David Duke. You probably have heard mm -hmm. that name before. David Duke was elected to the Louisiana House of Representatives in 1991 in a, in a district in Metairie, Louisiana, not far from where I lived at the time. And he had infamously gone to every house in his district and had personally campaigned, and he beat, what added insult to the injury, was that he beat the former governor, Dave Treen, he beat Dave Treen's brother. <laughs> Dave Treen's brother had that seat, took Duke for granted, and Duke beat him. And, of course, the, the press of the world descended upon Metairie, Louisiana, because David Duke had famously been the leader of the college Klansman at, at LSU when, when, when he was at LSU. And, uh, look, I know David. I worked at a radio station where David actually paid to have a radio show. As a matter of fact, I could go on a limb and say, no, he and I weren't drinking buddies or anything. But I, <laughs> I know David Duke pretty well. Um, and what was said of him, he actually did, did and does believe. He well, believes that blacks are inferior. He, 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 he's, he's one of those Schofield Bible types, uh, um, uh, um, Zionist leaning kind of Christians there that thinks that there's biblical, uh, that there's, that there's biblical precedent for racism. And he actually believes this stuff. But the point, the, the point being is that, 
the the media of the world is sending on our little hamlet in Metairie, Louisiana, want to know what kind of evil, wicked people had just elected a former Klansman. Uh, 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 the, he never was the Grand Wizard of the, of the Klan. That was a lie. He never was. He was basically the leader of a college Klansman or whatever the hell they had at LSU. Mm-hmm. But the point being that uh, there was something wrong with that election. It only lasted one term. He was voted. Yeah. Well, he tried to run for governor, and he got beat by Edwin Edwards. Um, uh, not handily, but he got beat. Um, uh, the point is, is that people knew they were, okay, there's something wrong with electoral politics when David Duke can be elected. Well, yeah. there's something wrong when Danica Rome can be elected in Virginia. Seriously wrong. Yeah. Well... I feel somewhat out of my depth here. My, I mean, I was literally, I only found out about this because it just, it was hearing it being talked about and talked about in a really positive way. Mm. I just, you, you know, what I, what I find really hard, it's that really good people can fall for this. Because th- these, these friends of mine, they're really, really nice people. Mm. They're really good people, but... They are completely convinced that abortion is it's entirely about women's rights. It's got nothing to do with the baby. It's not a baby. Um, and I just, I find that trying to cross that gulf really impossible. Well, uh, it used to be uh, uh, abortion ought to be safe, legal, and rare, said Bill mm. Clinton. Mm. <laughs> and he does sound just like that. Thank you. <laughs> um, mm. Yesterday, they were celebrating in the streets of Cleveland, Ohio, yeah. black women who are being victimized, whose, whose children are being slaughtered wantonly by abortionists across the United States were celebrating that that wanton slaughter and offering Moloch as pounds of flesh will continue. There's just uh, there's something sick and wrong with this society, and I would not blame God. He said he wouldn't send a flood again. He didn't say anything about a comet or a meteor. <laughs> I would not blame. <laughs> I, I can completely see, or maybe uh, maybe we, we we'll be seeing the rise of Antichrist, and all this is going to come to an end because it seems the human race, uh, the human condition right now is in a bad way. Bad way. Yeah. I wasn't around in 33 AD, so I can't say that it's as bad as it was in 33 AD. But it seems like it's as bad as any time, certainly during Christendom or or, 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 or the Christian history of, of what you call the continent. Yes. Um, things seem to be spiraling. Um, I don't know. But I do believe that um, I, 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 I do believe that the experiment of self-government amongst people without the bedrock of Christian faith and and the formation that goes along with it is a disastrous failure. Um, I I think you could have some form of it, but you'd have to have proper formation. And uh, maybe in the beginning of it, there was that kind of formation. We don't have that kind of formation anymore. Mm. Certainly not across... Yeah, that's what it comes back to in the end all, all, the, all the time is its formation. Yes, it does. So um, you're going to get bad things with badly formed people. We should expect it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, hooray. Uh, see you on Friday. <laughs> you didn't Thanks even so make much. a comment about the, the, the horror, the dreadful music. <laughs> well, do you know, the only, I didn't make a comment because when it, when it came on, I thought it was an advert. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was music. <laughs> So you were talking about smoking and smoking being banned, so I played Smoking in the Boys' Room. 
Which okay, is a, it's well, a rebel song about a bunch of high school boys that sneak out of class in the 1970s so they can, uh, they're really cool, so they can go smoking in the bar's room, so they can go smoking the boy <laughs> in the watch <water> room. <laughs> so I thought, I thought it was fitting, but I, I, I thought that um, I, I, I was expecting, oh, please make it come mm-hmm. to an end, make it stop. <laughs> no, I was, I was sitting there thinking, um, when does the, is this an ad? What's going to happen next? Um, is someone going to start telling me to buy something? Uh, and then suddenly the music started to trail off. I was like, oh no, it's, it's intro music. Oh, um, uh, welcome back to the Eddie Show. Yeah. Yes, okay. we shall. <laughs> we'll welcome you back. We'll see you on thir- uh, Friday. Friday. Okay. Have a good couple of days. It is 32 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from Chile, England. Don't forget to write to me at Purella at CrusadeChannel.com. And the chat room is open for your commentary as well at CrusadeChannel.com forward slash chat. I will now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Thank you.